Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hi guys, this is Josh Krieger, one of the hosts of Edge NFT, hanging out in Austin with Michael Wagner, CEO of Star Atlas. Taking it all in, it's day one. We've got like 17,000 people, right? Walking around. How would you describe the vibe here? Yeah, well, the energy is definitely buzzing. And what is encouraging to me is just thinking through kind of the current macro environment in crypto, arguably a pretty severe bear that we've been in now for, what, six months. So just seeing the activity, the people, the interest, the innovation, like this industry is here to stay. And people, I've been in this space for a long time, 10 years now. People often ask me, like, is crypto real? Is blockchain going to work? And it's always a strong affirmative for me. And events like this just really demonstrate that and reinforce that in my mind. So people are here, they're building and they're loving it. And like price volatility and what's happening out there in the markets, that's only a small component of the evolution and innovation that is this technology. Let's zoom in a little bit on the NFT gaming sector and specifically what you guys are doing at Star Atlas to sort of support adoption, right? Like building is great, but you got to have like, you got to have gamers that are excited about the industry. And, you know, there's been a lot of like mainstream press about the tension between traditional gamers and NFT gamers. I'm curious what your perspective is on the ground and what you guys are doing to make it easier for more gamers to enter the space and enjoy games. We acknowledge that there's a lot of skepticism in the traditional gamer community right now about all things NFTs, blockchain games, cryptocurrency as well. I'm a longtime gamer and I understand the value proposition. With that being said, I think it's clearly going to take some time to be able to communicate and more importantly, demonstrate what the potential of this sector is, this kind of evolution of gaming actually is. And so the first step of that is talking less and doing more. So actually building the products that people want to engage with, right? Building the highest quality, the AAA level gaming experience and entertainment experience that they've come to know and love. And so that's the first thing we're doing. But the second aspect of this is how do we reduce the friction in the onboarding process? Because like getting exposed and involved in crypto, there's a pretty steep learning curve and there's security risks there for the users, right? They need to understand how to set up a crypto wallet, secure their seed phrase, protect their cryptocurrency from scams and just misuse. So for us, we have a multi-pronged strategy that will enable a more seamless onboarding process for them. So we just announced two major relationships. One of those is with MoonPay. And so MoonPay is a credit and debit card purchasing solution that allows users to very rapidly onboard into the cryptocurrency ecosystem. So not having to go through the whole exchange process, wiring funds, moving those to a decentralized exchange, purchasing crypto, purchasing NFTs, all of those steps, right? So MoonPay is kind of a one-stop shop that allows people to purchase NFTs and purchase crypto directly in our game client or in our browser experience. For us, it's also being very supportive of the community that has been so passionate about what it is that we're doing. And so we have a big guild ecosystem within Star Atlas. Now, in our terminology, we call them decentralized autonomous corporations. This is kind of pulling some influence from EVE Online, which is similar from a game mechanic standpoint for anyone that's familiar. 
within Eve, all of the guilds were called corporations. And so we just kind of took our Web3 spin on that with DAX. But we're rolling out a big campaign actually next week where those guilds will be able to present to a global audience through our medium the innovation that they're bringing, the things that they're doing, how they're recruiting players, technology that they're building surrounding Star Atlas ecosystem itself. And so part of that is partnering with iBuyPower to provide a Star Atlas branded gaming computer that will be given away to one of the community participants. Anybody that's just out there in the audience listening into these presentations and hearing what Star Atlas is really all about. Because we as the developers, we're only one component of it. Now, obviously, we need to build something that's foundational and can grow. But ultimately, we see enormous potential in this concept of composability and extensibility, which is essentially implies that other teams can build upon our foundation and innovate and become entrepreneurs around our ecosystem through technology development. That's really exciting. And I can't help but admire your Star Atlas shirt. And there's a lot of logos going on there. And I sort of, I'm a big UFC fan. And I think about sort of all the brand partnerships that have gone into sort of creating a broader experience from UFC restaurants to merch and things like that. It sounds like we're going in that direction without like going too far into the future are you guys thinking about like partnerships, mainstream brands that sort of also appeal to gamers? Certainly we are. And I buy power is just the first announcement of yeah. many that are in the pipeline. So I'll be discreet on what those future announcements look like. But I think it's really interesting and amazing to see this evolution of NFTs and the mainstream's kind of entry point into that. But there are a lot of celebrities out there right now that are getting involved in this that have a crypto punk or have a board ape as their profile picture on Twitter. All of these celebrities are also creating their own product lines around the technology, too. So for what it's worth, having celebrities represent the industry is a great way to attract that mainstream audience because their followers love what they do. And so we're just seeing a ton of this. And again, the innovation is just amazing. Yeah. A little aside. Thank you guys, by the way, for being part of NFTLA. He's got a really cool exhibit in a dome. Steve Aoki is performing next door. It's a lot of fun. But one of my favorite moments from NFTLA, I was running around like crazy, was I popped into a sports team talk and I saw Julius Edelman, my favorite wide receiver, just hanging out in the back row watching the talk. And I was like, hey, man, what can I do for you? Would you like to go meet anyone? No, I'm good. I'm just here to learn. Wow. So I think that sort of says it all about where we are in this space. And I'm really excited to keep tabs on what you guys are up to. Thanks for yeah, spending yeah. a few minutes hanging out. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Azure Vanity Podcast, great to have you guys here. Excellent to be we here. It's been a long just... time in the making. Yes. Yes, been, yes, correct. <laughs> is, as we, just, we just came off stage from off stage and Guy was talking about at one point that he's been in space for 10 years. You're an old man here now. I am an old man. I'm yeah. a shape. <laughs> yes. He's Methuselah like when it comes <laughs> to this field. He's got the wisdom. He's been around for a while and shit. Nice. Well, we are at Vanity and what we like to do is talk about the things that are pushing the envelope in space, things literally at the edge of the space. Uh, us. We're Gilroy's right there, man. It, it is, yeah. So we uh, had the pleasure of hearing you talk over at VCon a few weeks so ago. wonderful. Many impressive things about that talk. Probably the most is that you're standing there by yourself on stage, man, holding it down. That is, that's else. always the way I would prefer it at the end of the day. I could always get everything across by myself. Like sometimes they put you with moderator. Like today we had a moderator. Yeah. And the boys were wonderful. But generally speaking, I've been doing it for like three decades. So it's like 
just give me a mic. I'll get up there. Boom, I'll cover you. How long you need? Two hours? I got you. Got it covered. Fill that with content. Being at the edge, if you will, is something that has always been interesting to me and a big part of, I hate using this word, but my brand. The thing that I've always done in my career is try to go where nobody else is. And not because I'm visionary, because I don't want to fucking compete. I'm not good enough to compete. So why do I want to be in an established place when I could go be the big fish in a small pond? Mm -hmm. So I've conducted my entire career. I made an independent film. Like I didn't try to go work in a studio system and stuff like that. Just try to find like your way in and stuff. And sometimes that way generally for me has always been on the fringes. It's always not in the mainstream. And then shortly after I get involved in the thing, it becomes mainstream and not because I did it. I just get there a few minutes before everyone else finds out about it. Podcasting, indie film, blogging. I've been around so long, I did it all, man. And now, like this, the idea of taking a feature film into the NFT space, like I asked David Shapiro, who's a producer on Reflect, I was like, has anybody done that? And we had this conversation like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago at this point. And he was like, no. I was like, what, could we? He's the producer of the movie, so he had some say in the matter. And I was like, what if instead of like taking it out traditionally, we did this thing? Like, would that, I don't know enough about the space, would that be revolutionary? And he was like, absolutely. He's like, that's what everyone's wanting. Everyone's wanting, like right now, it's just a lot of single images and stuff. Images that there's a lot of creative work, but like a whole feature, that would be a step forward. Like Guy said on stage, it's primitive. Like, years from now, people will look back at Kilroy and be like, so silly. But it's the necessary step in order for everyone else to come into the space. Like, if we do it and it works, every studio is going to open up their library and just be like, all right, so it's DVD all over again. Because now we could just sell you yet another copy of Terminator, and you are going to own this one. Right. For real. So that's what's coming. That's what the future looks like. And to be here now, early, before everyone else gets there, and I know they're coming, as I said on stage, and I, I said at VCon, when we started talking about launching Kilroy as an auction, like over a year ago, I started hearing from people that I don't hear from anymore who were like, this is very smart, we're watching. Because not that they're interested in my career at all, but they're just like, if you can make fucking two nickels off of this, then we're going to make way yeah. more than you. Yeah. And so they're waiting to see a guinea pig go first, and me and Guy get to be the guinea pigs with Kilroy. And thankfully, like, he had the vision to see that. My vision was like, oh, let's just sell it to one person and let them figure it out, which is just a variation of what I do in independent film. Like, you know, you make it, and then you hope somebody buys it. Guy's idea was like, no, don't do that. We make a community. That community then supports the movie, and then that community then creates the sequel together. It's not so much we're making a product and we're gonna sell it, how many widgets did we sell? It's about building family and community with a bunch of people that are like, oh, I understand what you're doing, I think I can bring something to it. One of my favorite fucking stories in the world is Stone Soup. The story I heard as a kid, and it really does apply to like our business. It's a starving fucking town, right? Nobody could eat and shit. There's not enough food to go around. And then this guy comes into town. And he's like, I got a magic stone. I can make stone soup, save the town and shit. We got a big pot. 
He's going, you bring, what do you got? He's going, Eric Carrick. He said, you bring that. What do you got? And everybody had a thing. He's like, all right, everybody bring it, put it in the pot. He's like, and now the stone, that'll make it. And fucking dropped it in. And everybody's like, holy shit, we're fed. It was all there. Yeah. It just took one person to be like, you come in here, you come in here. You, that's what a director does, essentially. Just like, come over here. You stand here, do this, say this, blah, blah, blah. So the idea of like coming in and coalescing a community around a stone. The stone is Kilroy. But that community coalesces around fucking Kilroy and we continue to build that community. It's no different than what I've been doing for years with my own fan base. Thanks to Clerks and Mallrats, there were people who were like, hey man, I'm interested in you and what you do. And so I started getting out on the internet in like 1995 with a website where I could talk to people. There's two filmmakers on the web at that point. It's me and Peter Jackson. And he got very successful. He eventually got off the internet and started making fucking Academy Award movies and shit. <laughs> I stayed on the internet. But we were the only two. And like I couldn't believe there were more because it's like you're talking to the people who actually buy tickets. Prior to that, you'd read reviews and you'd see box office and that's how you knew how you did. But suddenly we were in this world where I could talk to the person who bought a fucking ticket to go see this dopey thing and be like, why? And you could create a relationship with that person beyond simple like, trading of commodity or you know like you bought a thing goodbye we're done that relationship keeps going why because i'm going to make another thing one day and i want that person to come back and shit returning customers so i'm curious with kilroy do you see your historical community your fan base joining the party or a lot more new fans what do the demographics look like if you could like predict what's going to happen here i see what i've seen so far is a few cats who follow me traditionally are jumping into the space. I saw a guy who I was very surprised in my tour feed the other day who bought on the early drop. He's like, I had to figure out how to do it, but he's going, I got it. And that blew my mind because I didn't think that cat was going to be one of those cats. But for some people, you capture their imagination where they're like, well, wait a second, what is this? And it's new? All right. So suddenly a portion of them come over for you. But I would say largely... It's the community itself. That's what it looks like. It's people already in the space who believe in, in the idea. They're like, oh my God, if this works for this cat, then the sky's the limit. So I've seen a lot more support from within the Web3 community, the crypto community, the NFT community, only because people outside of it, they don't even know how to get a digital wallet going. You know what I'm saying? But that becomes part of the education process. Once the NFT drops, then it's going to be a lot easier to kind of educate the people who don't know shit. They don't have a fucking crypto portfolio. They don't know anything. You know, the Coinbase, what's that? So you could bring in, and I would imagine that's something that Guy and Secret would be interested in, like fucking new eyeballs and stuff like that. But how did you guys actually connect, right? You have this idea. You're like, yeah, I want to do this thing. Like the actual act of changing that idea to reality is something special. No. How did you all connect to make this what thing a happen? Great question. That is a great question. So um, I got connected to David, who's uh, Kevin's uh, co-producer, yeah. through some other person from Curio. Curio is another NFT company. Uh, they were working with David on, I think, several projects and several things. Ben from Curio said, hey, you should meet David. We got together. We got excited. And David is an amazing person. He has a lot of ideas. So I know Kevin is uh, throwing the credit my way, but it was more of like a joint effort. Sitting with David, with Kevin, with Jordan, who's also Kevin's our company. And all together, we just said, okay, 
like you know it's a great idea it's an amazing concept we think that our technology can do more than what others can do but the concept of just selling it as an auction to one person that's not inclusive that's not in the web free spirit and so all together we just came up with this i think new great idea and also like it shouldn't there's a bit of sexy involved as well because they were coming off of their Quentin NFT project. We were there when that project got announced. That was pretty exciting in NFT New York. But Actually, also like the, some of the fallout and you know, some of the questions around intellectual property. Created a great like, conversation. Yeah. Like, aside from just like, we all want to be entertained. We all want some shit to occupy our day. Yeah. So saying like, hey, Quentin Tarantino is going to sell one of his scripts as an NFT. That's story enough. But then all the stories that came on top of it, like where people are like, well, I don't know if he's allowed to do that because we own that property. And it's point of like, no, you own the movie. Yeah. I own the script. Like, it's freaking important. That's an important conversation. It's an important conversation, absolutely, to have that came out of NFTs. Yeah. Those guys working with Quentin made them sexy enough for me to be like, I'm sorry, they were involved with the Quentin NFT? But I'm listening to this conversation. <laughs> And it took me, I mean, you got to think about it. Like, we were set on doing a thing one way. We're going to auction it. And that's what we talked about and did a lot of press on it. But the fact that, like, they were coming up with an alternative idea wouldn't have penetrated if they hadn't also worked with Quentin. That's what got my attention where I'm like, well, Jesus, fucking, I know Quentin. And he don't, he's not the guy that's like anything for a buck. You know what I'm saying? He makes enough money doing what he does. So he ain't like me, spinning plates everywhere and shit like that. He concentrates on just filmmaking. The fact that he got involved in this, got engaged in a relationship with these cats and like did what he did with the, with the NFT, that to me was like, they must be special. Well, they definitely are. I mean, we've seen a lot of the stuff they've done and the capabilities there, especially getting involved at this stage, the ground floor uh, with everything that you're doing, right? Because I'm sure you're setting the stage for all kinds of fun stuff. It can be released later, right? In addition to the initial release, all the notes that you've taken down on Kilroy and all that and, stuff. And right? with, like, if I was doing a DVD, you get one bite of the apple, right? You yeah. Put it all on that DVD, and if you found other stuff later on, then you got to release a whole ass different DVD. Yeah. Beauty of this is we can augment for time immemorial. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA, let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service soup-to-nuts and whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. 
Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. How do you feel about the responsibilities that come with actively managing a community? It's more active, right, day to day, whereas fans of yours can press play and see your content and, right. and track you. This is we've talked a lot this week with folks about how Web three, your stakeholder groups kind of converge together. Yeah. Right? This is not just a fan, these are investors. Yeah. What's been your thinking on that sort of shift? I got like 20, 25 years experience in terms of community building. Because even though like a lot of people could just press play and shit like that, then there's a whole cross section of people who are like, I'm on your website and I'm asking you a question. I'm coming to your live event, buying a ticket. I'm going to your store and doing a thing. So for better part of my career, the only reason my career has lasted this long is because I fostered a community from like 1995 onward that I can count on. Like that I'm not one of these people that's like, well, I hope the audience shows up for this movie I'm making. If I keep the budget right, I know this many people will show up for time and memorial until they start dropping fucking debt, which is happening now because we're all in our 50s and shit. So I've already built like community after community. So that aspect of this, that's what was kind of one of the selling points. Like I said, it's like the spirit of Web3 is community. And so I had so much experience doing that on the internet already for the last 20 years that it's a no-brainer. It's easy. Like it's built into You're my like real bringing, life. Like, like it is. Another like when Twitter started, I was like insanely ready because I'd spent 15 years prior to that on my message board writing longer responses. And somebody's like, you only do 140 characters. I'm like, well, shit, I can do that in my sleep. So I was just ready for it. Like, there's a skill set I didn't know I had, and they built a thing that required that skill set. And I was like, holy shit, I'm ready. Same kind of thing here. Community building aspect is something that, like, is already in me because I haven't had the luxury of, like, being a George Lucas or a J.J. Abrams where you do one thing and the whole world's like, fucking, you're canonized forever and stuff. I got to prove every time out that I'm worth their time or effort, particularly as I age. In the beginning, it was easy to catch people because you're like, you're new, you're fresh, you're edgy and shit. The longer you stick around, the harder it is to find something new to impress people who've been watching you for decades at this point. So building community allows me to not have to work insanely mainstream where I got to get everybody or else my job don't work. I just have to get this. And this space is this right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at Board Age, I mean, they've turned 10,000 collectors into a multi-billion dollar adventure. And they're having that. fun doing it. Yeah. Like, not just the people who made the shit, I'm sure they're having fun with the money and shit, but the people who are collecting, like... They're having a blast. Absolute fucking blast. And it built a Apex, community. New York. Yes. Four days. But that's right? like, but honestly, like, looking at my own small microcosm version of that, like, when we started the BSQ website, it built its own little self-sustaining community where I could have events. As long as I'm, I'm only doing, like, a thousand people, we're going to be great. We're gonna, a thousand people are going to come from all over the place. So community is such a big fucking part of it, man. That's part of the appeal of this whole world to me. It's not just like... In my other world, it's like you make a thing, you put it out there, and that's that. And I spent a lot of time 
tending to it. Because for me, the story don't fucking begin and end when the movie credits happens. The story begins when I'm like, hey, we're going to make a thing. And it's not the whole world, but a bunch of people that do pay attention is like, well, what is that thing? You start to talk about it then, like a year before the movie exists. And then when the movie's over, if you're really good at your job, it's not like credits and then the conversation's over. You want to extend the life of that. You want to keep it fucking going. I've, I've always, I've always like been annoyed by the amount of time between a sequel to a, a good thing. And like, I think with that time, sometimes the energy of the project erodes and the characters shift and people move on. In real life, everything's evolutionary, right? right. There's definitely a balance there. You're uniquely positioned, man. Like a lot of people like Gary Vee, for example, similar in a lot of ways with how you engage in your community, how far ahead of the curve you really were. There are not a lot of people like you that were that engaged with their community that genuinely take that time to follow up, to nurture it. They are now. Like I'll have, yeah, it's now you can't be in my business and not give a shit about that. Like I remember early on in my career, like people would make fun of me for like, you spent a lot of time on the internet, man. I'm like, wow, wait, wait, you might as well live in your parents' basement. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, I made clerks. So we know I don't live in my parents' basement, number one. <laughs> number two, like I'm a smart businessman. Like I wanna continue doing the business the way I wanna do the business. So if I'm not making Marvel shit, which makes a lot of people happy and that's an easy sell, I'm making very selective shit. Like, and I'm not saying it's like, it's not for everybody because it's smart. It ain't for everybody because everybody's like, I like my shit normally better than your shit. So I'm working with like this many people as opposed to this many people. And it's always easier to work with this many people. It's always easier to satisfy this many people. This many people, man, there'll be varying opinions about like whether or not I've satisfied them. Artistically. Yeah. This many people, if I'm playing right to the right audience, I can make them happy every time. I learned that, like I've learned it for years, but in 2019, we took uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot out on the road. We did a 65 city tour and we sold out every damn show. Every night I watched the movie with a thousand people who made me feel like we were at a church where I was both the priest and Jesus himself. Like you were a celebrant and you were being celebrated. I wouldn't get that if we just released the movie on 2,000 screens. I'd hear reports and I'd get box office figures, but I was there in the room for it, man. And that comes from community. Those fans are so fucking dialed in. They know every aspect of every flick I've ever made and whatnot. Being there with them to watch the movie live and shit, and then Q&A, that became the model for the rest of my life. I won't go back the other way. Like now... The whole reason Clerks 3 exists is because of that reboot tour. I was like, that's what I want over and over and over again. Building a community is has been the only thing that has kept me alive. There are other filmmakers who started around the same time I started who nobody talks about anymore and they don't work anymore because there was no community. Now, everybody, everybody got a social media team and shit like that. Everybody got, well, fucking Will Smith does YouTube videos. Like, what does that tell you? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kevin Hart did a YouTube fucking show. These guys have millions of dollars, and they get exposure in every place. But what they don't get in those other places? Community. Because it's a very different audience that will sit there on YouTube, and they'll fucking tell you exactly how you're doing. An authentic community. People that very were there before it was cool, whatever, necessarily, to be up on before YouTube. Before the Will Smiths got yeah, there. Yeah, right. And that's a meaningful, deep relationship. And one of those, like, kind of the meta purposes we see all these things come about is also to bring a lot of this technology mainstream. Yeah. And so 
with those thousand people that are the diehard in there with everything you do. It's much more than that, right. obviously, with your community. But those people have an opportunity then to influence the people within their world, yeah. right, and bring them into the space. So they're huge Kevin Smith fans. And they've been doing that for think. years. They sell the game, so to speak. In hockey, there's an expression called sell the game. If you love the game, you'll sell the game, yeah. which means, like, I got no skin in NHL. I got no skin in hockey, but I'll fucking talk about it forever because maybe you'll watch it. I'm saying maybe you already know it, so it's easy to converse, converse about it, but maybe you've never watched it, and I'm selling you on it, and I'm selling with passion, not because I'm going to make money off it, but because I believe in it, so I sell the game. Same fucking thing here. When people like what you do, like, you give them a little bit of attention, a little bit of time, they will go off and market your shit for you way better than you ever could to everyone they fucking need. When my kid makes fun of me all the time because I wear t-shirts with my face on it, Jay's face on it, like t-shirts of all the shit we've ever done. And she's like, Dad, it's so gross how you wear shirts with your face on it. I was like, kiddo, I can't expect some motherfucker to pay fucking $20 for a shirt with my face on it if I'm not willing to wear that fucking shirt myself. It starts here. Yeah, we're, yeah. Hey, we're rocking the edge of the Exactly, brand. exactly. And, 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 and people are like, I love how you guys always stay on brand. It's really important. <laughs> you built a fucking thing. Think about that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, everyone appreciates somebody who builds a thing. Unless they build, like, a fucking hate machine. But, like, you build a thing and, like, you're proud of it. Yeah. And so people vibe on that. So, like, that's yours. A thing that didn't exist until you guys were like, we're going to fucking put this thing together. We're going to put these three terms together. And it's going to define our life for the next 5, 10, maybe 20 years. Perhaps the rest of your fucking lives. Why wouldn't you wear fucking hats with Edge of NFT on it? Right on. Why aren't you completely branded? Where's the shirt and the shorts and the underwear? <laughs> and the socks. We're, we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. So, 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 guy, a question for you, man, is Kevin's pushing the envelope here. And I think that forces you guys to push the envelope and sort of look at and reflect on what this last year has been for Web3 and some of the ups and downs and challenges, not only within your own project, but just in general in the space. What are you thinking of in terms of innovation and tools and like what sort of tweaks are you making as you kind of collaborate with Kevin over the next year? Sure. So first of all, a community is always key. I agree with that. In terms of innovation, ups and downs, I'm a veteran in this space, so I don't really pay attention to this. If anything, there's less noise right now, so we're having more fun. But just in this conference, like if you've been around, you're like between 50 to 100 people from the core secret community. These are not employees. They're not getting paid by us. They just like what we're doing and they're kind of like spreading the word and what can be done. And to me, like that's the first and most important thing to do. But when it comes to innovation, especially with the Kilo Was Here project and the Tarantino one and a few others, what we've noticed is there's a gap right now. So if we do like an NFT drop that is very, very focused, you know, it has DeFi components, generative art components, maybe speculative components. It's very easy to track the fairly small Web3 crowd that already exists. But I think what we care about is taking this mainstream, right? I think that's what you care about, what I care about, what Kevin cares about. How can this be the next thing? And for that, I agree with what Kevin said before, we need to improve the UI. I think the user experience right now in crypto is extremely difficult. And one of the things that prevent the mainstream from crossing the chasm, which is the point where we are right now. And so in Secret Network, even though we're often basically an infrastructure company, we've been internally hiring like new engineers that are UI, UX experts, 
bringing in other teams from outside to make sure that anyone can interact with NFTs, anyone can interact with the project we're doing with Kevin. We want to get to a point where people don't even need to know what a digital wallet is. When you go into a website today, it's all HTTPS. You have no idea that there's a handshake encryption protocol going under the hood. You just go into a website. That's the level we need to do, and that's the way to attract like the mainstream audience like Kevin's. Well, guys, we can spend all day talking about this stuff, and y'all are in high demand, so we do need to wrap this up. But where can folks go to make sure they're on top of all the fun things happening with Kilroy and with Secret? Kilroywashere.io for Kilroy stuff. Where are they going for Secret? Yeah, Secret is a secret.network, S-C-R-T.network. That's the best place to get all the information. Also, specifically, Kilroy was here is built on LegendDAO, so you should go to LegendDAO.io, and if you go there, by the way, you can join the Kilroy was here Discord and community, and there's some surprises for the people who do that. Amazing. Y'all, thanks for sharing all these insights. It's super helpful. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate Thank you guys you. taking that time as well. All right. Thanks a lot. What's up, everyone? This is Josh from Edge of NFT, and this is kind of fun because I'm here with Justin Wu, organizer of Decentral at Consensus. This is like a three-conference convergence situation going on, and it's great to see you, man, relax just a day after your conference. So that sounds like things were going well. Yeah, definitely. It's always good the day after conference. You yeah. can just chill, relax a little bit. But it's always fun building the community, as you already know, bringing amazing builders, creators, and just smart people, big brain people all together in one place. So to me, it's a lot of fun, even though, as you know, like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff goes behind the scenes to make it all happen. But we're all here. As you can see, clearly, we're still in a build market. It's, it might be a little bit bear market, but we still got a lot of people. Like, I think there's like 15,000 plus people here right now in Austin. Yeah, in spite of the 110 degree weather, a lot of smiles, a lot of conversations around building. The last media likes to talk about the bear market and categorize things as like in black and white, but it's really much more shades of gray and nuance. What are some of the exciting conversations that when you weren't like running around doing logistics that you heard at your conference and they get you pumped about the rest of the year? Yeah, I think there's a lot of discussions about clearly stable coins. We're in the bear market right now. Cocoa bear maybe. market, maybe. Bearish. I wouldn't call it bear still because we've seen these cycles before and we're still higher than we were like a year and a half ago. ETH is still like 1800, 1700 around there. Remember like not too long ago, it was just like 200. So we're still, I mean, I don't want to jinx it down to like a 5X downturn, but clearly people are still like- un- Talking about stable coins. Talking what else? Coins, what, right? what were some of the, like you guys had some really cool people leading the NFT charge too at your conference. We had NFTs, a lot of metaverse and games, Splinterlands, Divine Anarchy. They just showed, people are just actually showing what they're actually building and getting that out in the market as well too. So that's what's really exciting and seeing some of the other talent that's out there too. Cool. Let's give everyone a sneak peek of what you got going on for Miami later this year. What's cooking? What can we expect there? Excited about the next adventures and just appreciate what you guys do in the space and how we're able to support each other with all of our conferences that we put on to try to bring the community together. For sure. Yeah, we're excited for Miami coming back to Art Basel again. We're going to be right before Art Basel, November 28th and 29th. We moved, what you can expect this year is we moved to downtown Miami. So we're going to be in the heart of Art Basel got a bigger location as well just to fill more capacity and that allows us to create more experiences whether it be art galleries 
different metaverse experiences as well, and just a lot more fun booths and everything too. So we're excited to kind of level up what we've been doing and kind of just bring all the community of builders, creators, developers, all in place, converging to Art Basel. Biggest art celebration in the U.S. or in the world. Yeah, it sounds exciting, man. You know I'll be there. Appreciate everything you do in this space, and thanks for spending a few minutes with us today. Yeah, no problem. And shout out to Edge of NFT and the whole crew there. You guys are crushing it, and looking forward to meeting you all guys soon in person or in the metaverse. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.